Welcome to The Arena, a podcast out of Gateway Bible Church in Diamond Valley, Alberta. We engage with current issues and events of our day in an effort to discuss and even debate them. You may not always agree with us, but just as iron sharpens iron, our hope is that you will be challenged to think through these matters along with us, and that you will be edified and encouraged as we step into The Arena. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome you back to this episode of the Arena Podcast. I'm co-host Bryce Lepkeman, along with my good friend Matthew Martins. Hello. Do we all know that every guy is a gentleman? Because you said ladies and gentlemen. What if there's some non-gentlemen that are listening to this? Well, isn't that just a generic term? <laughs> it, it is. Like, but is ladies? It, is, is it there, faithful is there... to what's actually happening? I don't know. I... Okay, so good morning or afternoon <laughs> or evening, whatever you're listening to this, to ladies and... Hopefully you're a gentleman, but if you're not, shape up. Yeah, sure. That sounds <laughs> is that, great. Is that better? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, that's quite the uh, <laughs> intro we've just given you, so we're feeling very jovial this morning as we record this. Today we are talking about Christians and lawsuits. Now, I think there's a lot that kind of goes into that, and we're going to dissect that as much as we possibly can, but it's one of those things that... I, I don't get a lot, but I got a lot more af- after COVID, hmm. especially for those who paid attention to what went down in California. I got a few more questions than I normally get on, well, aren't they, Christians aren't supposed to do that. Is that, right? is that what you grew up believing? That, that they yeah. shouldn't? Yeah, I think like I yeah. grew up, we didn't talk about it much. Like my mom and dad have never, as far as I know, been involved in a lawsuit. I know my dad's had to like testify in court a couple of times, but that wasn't him being directly involved. So I think I always just kind of grew up with this assumption that Christians don't sue people. Yeah, that's how I grew up too. I don't remember any explicit teaching either from my parents, maybe from the church I grew up in. I I can't remember that actually, but I I always was very much under the impression that you don't ever sue anyone. Maybe maybe because I grew up in a pacifistic church setting. (laughs) That's part of, you just don't ever fight for anything. Uh, So I don't know, but I, I definitely had that mentality. Yeah. And like we said, I don't ever really remember talking about it. I think it was just this assumption Mm -hmm. that you don't. Yeah. And then as you grow up and especially, and I didn't give it much thought if I'm honest, didn't really give it much thought at all till stepping into kind of pastoral ministry. And then you hear certain situations and certain things. And this is the first time I've really actually kind of done like a what should believers do? Well, not this time, but like just mm-hmm. over the last little while, I've given a lot more thought, I guess. Yeah. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, I, you mentioned COVID. I think that it was brought to the forefront there by two churches in particular. Yes. Uh, two, and two prominent pastors, well-known pastors of these two said churches. So in the middle of all the COVID stuff, both Grace Community Church, which is pastored by John MacArthur in Southern mm-hmm. California, and Capitol Hill Baptist Church, which is pastored by Mark Dever in Washington, D.C., took the local authorities and the, and the local governments to court with a suit, in both cases, with the desire to have the government allow them to gather for worship. Right. And so that brought it to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Like there was something, I'll be honest, when I, when I first heard about these lawsuits, I can't remember which one was first. I think it might have been Grace Community Church was first and then Capitol Hill Baptist Church shortly thereafter. Yeah. But when I remember, when I first heard about them, my, my initial reaction was, what? You're taking the government to court? You're a, you're a church? 
this doesn't square. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, that yeah. was my initial heart reaction. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm not mistaken, there you can correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Capitol Hill Baptists? They just wanted to be able to gather outdoors. Yeah, for them, it was, right? like, it was gathering them, at all. At all. Yeah. Yeah, uh, MacArthur. But particularly theirs was the, they, they aimed at, uh, Capitol Hill Baptist aimed at gathering outdoors. Yeah. MacArthur was, we're just going to gather. Normally. Normally. Yeah. Like, in, like we would in, normally. In a church building. Yeah. And yeah. I, so I, I was looking at that one, and he said on their, on their lawsuit, it said, quote, it is time for California to recognize that disfavored religious minorities are not second-class citizens. It is time for California to explain how it can justify banning worship to prevent the spread of a disease while it is fine for protesters to spread that disease like wildfire. Right. So this MacArthur's lawsuit was coming right on the heels of, like, we all know the riots and all those things. And those were championed by the same people who were saying you can't gather in a church. And yeah. so yeah. MacArthur was like, we just kind of want the government to admit that there's something off here. Yeah. And for those who are listening to this, now, if you're from our church, we're going to be showing, and it might have actually already been shown by the time this airs, but we're going to be showing the essential church, yeah. which yeah. documents uh, that time in our lives is during that COVID period. And particularly, uh, or one of the gr groups that's looked at in that documentary is Grace Community Church and this whole issue with the government around gathering for worship. But if you're not from our church and you haven't seen that documentary yet, I would encourage you to watch it. It walks through that whole time period and yeah, the George Floyd riots and everything else and why Grace Community Church decided to file a suit mm -hmm. against Gavin Newsom and the gov uh, government of California mm -hmm. over the right to assemble. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, if that's something that piques your interest, <laughs> I'd encourage you to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things I want to be careful as we get into this podcast, because we've been talking about it already a little bit, I want to avoid that while John MacArthur and Mark Dever did it, these big guys, <laughs> thus, it clearly is okay in the Bible, because guess what? Those guys have been wrong a few times. So right. Coming into this podcast, and I don't know, once again, we don't compare notes. We just kind of come in and we kind of do this. So mm -hmm. I have two questions that I would like to bat around. Okay. I don't know about you. So the first one is, should believers engage in lawsuits at any time, at any point? Yeah. Or what are, I guess, the parameters around stepping into a lawsuit as a believer? Does that... Yep. So kind of makes sense. I think we should start with the scriptures. Absolutely. Because that's going to help us immediately determine at least one situation where we shouldn't Correct. engage in lawsuits. Yeah. I'm assuming you have the same text over there as I do. First Corinthians six is the primary one. It's, it's the one that really explicitly kind of lays it out. Yeah. But as it pertains to believers suing and particularly taking to court fellow believers. Right. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 6. I'm going to read 1 to 8. It says this. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? 
I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there. I, we're going to judge angels, it says. Yeah. I, I don't understand how that's going to go, but that's what it says yeah. here. So. Now, is that talking about holy angels, or is that talking about the angels that have fallen? Yeah, it's a good or, question. Or, and I, I don't know. I just When I read that, I'm like... Yeah, that's an odd statement. Yeah, I don't quite get that, but uh, sure, it's fascinating. <laughs> sure, <All right>. yeah. <laughs> but the rest of it's pretty clear, right? And the context here seems to very clearly be brothers amongst mm-hmm. brothers. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, for those who have any awareness of what's going on in Corinth at this time, the church is a hot mess. Mm-hmm. And there's so much going wrong in the church. There's so much inappropriate conduct in the church that Paul is writing to correct all of this and to give them, a, you know, essentially a kick in the pants about how they're to live in honor of the Lord. And obviously, this is part of it. Yeah. Clearly, this is being written because this must have happened. That yeah. brother was taking brother to secular courts for cases that should be dealt with in-house. Right. And so it's pretty evident here that a Christian should not settle a grievance against another Christian in a court of law. That should be dealt with within the household of faith. Right. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you look at even the beginning part of Corinthians, Paul right away off the top addresses divisions within the church. Yeah. So this is not a cohesive church. It's not a unified church. There's yeah. sexual misconduct going on. Yeah. And clearly, yeah, there are brothers taking brothers. And it's interesting what he says here in verse uh, there, verse 4. So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? Mm-hmm. Why are you bringing... You have two people here who are led by the Spirit that calls them brothers... Yeah. Why are you bringing them to a some before someone who's not led by the Spirit? They're not going to judge according to what is holy and righteous. They're going to judge in a worldly sense. Yeah. Yeah. So why why would you bring a dispute to someone who's not even going to uphold God's law? Yeah. And tied to this all is our testimony within the community. Right. Like how does it? I mean, one of the ways that we that our witness goes forth is by our unity. We read about that in John seventeen. Our unity is a mm-hmm. factor in our witness. Jesus is praying about that, and so how is our witness tarnished when we are backbiting and we're fighting together so much so that we're taking even our fellow Christians to court over matters that can absolutely be dis, you know yeah. worked through disputed within the confines of the local church by others who are led by the spirit. Yeah. But no, no, we're going to go to, we're going to go to a civil court over this. Yeah. Immediately our testimony is tarnished in the community and they have reason to question why would they would ever listen to us about more important things right. like the gospel. Yeah. So this is not something to be taken lightly. The, the household of faith should settle its disputes amongst the household of faith. But that begs the question, how does that get done then? Right. So how then does a believer settle a dispute with a fellow believer 
in the household of faith. So if we're not supposed to go to court, what do we do? I'm guessing you might be going to the same text I'm about to go to. I, I had Matthew 18 Correct. laid out. Jesus, you're clearly faster at turning your Bible than I am. I'm more holy. I know how to get yeah, faster. <laughs> I'm using a different Bible. Does that count? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. I got there. Okay. Uh, basically, 15 to 20 of Matthew chapter 18 lays out, here's how you deal with sin, disputes, whatever, amongst yourselves. And he gives a whole number of steps. I don't know if you do want to read that or... Even 15 to 17 would be Yeah, where he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Okay, now stop there. So that's step one. So it's if your brother has done something against you. So that's a Christian, a fellow Christian who's done something against you. What's the first step? Go to him. One-on-one. You go to him, tell, you say, hey, this is what you've yeah. done, and this is how you've sinned. Yeah. And between the two of you, there's no one else involved at this point. Okay, so can I pause here for a moment? Yeah. So this is dealing directly with if I've sinned against you. Yeah. Okay. When I think of a lawsuit, it would be like if I hired a, an electrician right. who's in the church, yeah. who comes to my house does his electrician-y stuff <laughs> and then does a terrible job. Right. And now I'm like, I don't want to pay you because you didn't do your job. Right. So he hasn't necessarily sinned against me. He just right. did a, he's just bad at his job. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get to that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So we're, yeah. So we're, this is presupposing we're talking about a sin issue here. Right. In Matthew 18, we're is talking the, about sin issue. Yeah. 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 So then in that case, it's one on one. You go to him and, and if he listens, that is to say, if he hears what you have to say, he repents of it, turns and acknowledges that sin and seeks forgiveness from the Lord. Awesome. You've gained a brother, it says. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Okay. So there's step two. So step two is what? We take along a couple of witnesses to validate. Uh, like this is assuming the person doesn't repent, doesn't turn. So now you're going, okay, mm-hmm. well, we're going we're gonna to establish this, that this is, in fact, an issue, that there is a sin issue here. The, people are gonna, the witnesses are going to hear. They're not there to, to interject. They're just there to truly witness. But you go to the person again, you're pleading with them. Now with the witnesses, they can see if it really is a sin issue or isn't. And if there's still a lack of repentance at that point, and these witnesses have validated, yep, this is in fact indeed a sin issue, mm-hmm. then we move on. If he refuses to listen to them, this is verse 17, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So now we're, we're taking it further to the church. Now some p- churches will will define that differently. Some, when they say take it to the church, some will say that that means take it to the elders mm-hmm. who are representatives of the church, and and some will, some of them will take it right to the to the the membership, the yep. whole membership. However, you look at that, you're taking it now to to a larger extent, and you're saying, listen, the, we are concerned about the soul of this brother so much so that the church needs to be aware of this. And if the, and then the church pleads, whether it's be the elders on behalf of the church or the whole membership, however that looks. 
we're pleading with this person to turn from their sin because we care for their soul. Yeah. And if they refuse, it says, to listen to even that, then we're going to assume that they're not saved. Yeah. That's yeah. How, how serious this is. And we're going to remove them from membership and we're going to treat them as one who is unsaved. Yeah. So that's the normal way of dealing with a sin issue, brother to brother. Yeah. Not going external for that. We're doing that in-house within the body of Christ. Yeah. This is how it's meant to be done. Now, you mentioned something that you said is not a sin issue. Right. The electrician whatever. Thing. Yeah. So, yeah. How do you handle that? I don't know. <laughs> Well, if he's truly a brother, so if, if I, yeah, yeah. So in that situation, if an electrician from the church has come in and I've paid him for his services, right? Because yep. even though yep. he's a brother, he's still got a business. He has to feed his family, all those things. So yep. you're paying him for that service. Yep. He comes in, he does work, and he, you know, and he's just terrible at his job. Yeah, and the electrical work is awful. Yeah, and your house is on fire. Yeah, so. exactly. If he's truly a brother in good standing with the Lord you would hope that you should be able to go to him and say, hey, my, hey, my brother, this didn't get done well, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to need you to come and redo that. Right. That absolutely would be step one. You don't go immediately to the courts yeah, for that. Yeah, absolutely. If there now is a hardness of heart and such that, no, I'm not going to redo this, I'm not going to take any fault for this, and, and it has caused you, like you mentioned, yeah, my home, home actually lit on fire. Um, I mean, that's an extreme circumstance, yeah. but I mean... Now there is there is something that I, I need to get that looked after, and, and it was your fault directly, yeah. and it's causing me a lot of financial burden. But even in that, though, so if you go back to that Corinthians thing, what, does it, what does it actually say there? So I don't know if you were going to go here. I was going to go to verse kind of seven, yep. which says, to have lawsuits at all, at all. Mm-hmm. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. So right there, he's, Paul is saying, you've already lost. Mm-hmm. Even if you win in a court of law in a worldly sense, you've already lost. Yeah. Would you, why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brother. So there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. But would you rather not yourself be defrauded than have the worldly system try to figure out what's going on within yeah, the church? That's right. You're, you're ta- why not rather take it on the chin? Yep. Take. Yep. So, it sucks. Like. Yeah. And there's some off. Now we're, we're talking about an extreme situation of a house being lit on fire. Right. But what if it's more just hey the work just didn't get done well? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the tile looks awful when. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna take that on the chin. Be like, yep. Yeah. So and I going. I want to marry this verse seven and eight yep. with actually Matthew 18 verse 21. Right. So Matthew, we've walked through Matthew 18. That's kind of church discipline 101. Kind of, or it is. It is. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, we listened or you, Matt, this Matt listened to our last podcast that we just released. And he brought up to me the fact that I say the word kinda <laughs> a lot. And so now every time I've said it, I'm like, oh, there it is again. To, to be fair, I say, I say, yeah, a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we all have our quirks. Yeah, there you go. So right after the Jesus walks through this, Peter completely understands what he's talking about mm-hmm. because he looks at, in verse 21, then Peter came up and said to him. Mm-hmm. So hear the church discipline stuff. Yeah. Peter then hears, okay, 
clearly Jesus is talking about forgiveness mm-hmm. because he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, being right. all pious and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Number is almost irrelevant, an mm-hmm. innumerable amount of times. There's no end to your forgiveness. So what, one key thing in all of this is the church ought to be marked by forgiveness. Right. Yeah. Peter understands that's what Jesus is getting at when it comes to church discipline. The desire is for forgiveness. We should forgive, be forgiving our brother. Mm-hmm. So if you marry that with what we read here in 1 Corinthians 6, I would rather, or the Christian church, a mature believer, would rather be one who, yeah, the work isn't what I would like it to be, mm-hmm. and it's not ideal, but yeah, I can, I can move past that. I can forgive them yeah. for, for that, for the sake of yeah. unity. Like, and it kind of boils down to that aspect. Yeah. You think about the gospel as a whole, the Lord Jesus suffered wrong and willingly suffered wrong yeah. for the good of the body of Christ, for the good of his bride. Mm-hmm. He didn't seek recompense for the wrong that was suffered to him because of the, the greater good of the body of Christ. Now, of course, we know that all of those who, su- who do harm to Christ and to his name, they will be judged at the end. So that's why in, Revel- uh, in Revelation, in Romans, pardon me, chapter 12, it says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So we don't yeah. need to seek vengeance. True vengeance is yeah. coming in the end for those who yeah. suffer or, or, or make the Lord Jesus suffer by, by how they mm-hmm. live their life. If they try to harm his name, his reputation, all those things, he'll deal with that at the end. We don't need to go seeking vengeance mm-hmm. in that way. And that should be the general character- characterization of the church yeah. body. And he goes on to say, I think in that, text so far as it depends on you live at peace with one another right right so yeah one another yeah Yeah. if i'm going to live at peace with one another there's going to be times where i've just got to suck it up yeah well i'm back to first corinthians 3 which you brought up earlier did you read first uh the first three verses of that no i don't think so okay first uh, first corinthians 3 so this is same book same uh, these, these same people going through all their issues he says this in the first three verses of chapter 3 But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. For even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Paulus. Are you not being merely human? And it goes on to talk about that. All these factions and divisions that are happening in the church that's worldly, it's fleshly, it's the way a, hum, a general human without the Spirit of God acts. Yeah. We're to be different than that. Yeah. We're not to be constantly fighting and bickering and looking for our own self-interest. We're to be altogether separate and different than mm-hmm. that. And so when we are suing one another as brothers in, in Christ, it's not mm-hmm. becoming for the household mm-hmm. of faith. Now, would it be wrong not talking to the worldly courts, but bringing a brother before the elders of the church to figure out a dispute. Right. There, there, that has a, has a place. If there is disunity, you know, we're to ma- e- eagerly maintain the unity of the spirit, it says in Ephesians 4. Yeah. So we should be eager to do this. So if there is a, me and a brother, maybe it's not a sin issue, but there is just an ongoing tension for whatever the issue is. Yeah, I should say to the elders, 
could could we could we meet together? Yeah. Could you help us settle this matter? Think through this biblically because we're yeah. getting lost in the fog of our own. Yeah. There there'd be a lot of maturity in that that yeah. we don't see as much as we should today. Mm-hmm. So there there's that's a good thing. And I, we've had that happen in our church here where people have done that and it's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing. It's hard. It, you work through messy stuff. But when done properly and with maturity, it's it's very God honoring. So yeah, I would say there's absolutely a case for that. So what is there a time though? Is there ever a justification for a Christian, let's say, to take a non-Christian to a court of law? All right, uh, I would say yes. Okay, uh, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 16. Okay, this is just one place where we see the Apostle Paul use the law mm-hmm. against non-believers for his own good. Right. And we see this 16, uh, chapter 18, we see it. The latter part of the book of Acts, Paul is often going before courts, before councils. He's going before these things as he makes his way over to Rome, right? Because he asked, "I want to go. I appeal to Caesar." Well, mm. th- there's a process. You don't just get to jump on a ship and go to Caesar. There's a lot of governors you've got to face first. So we see Paul doing that over and over and over again. But in sixteen, uh, specifically verse thirty-seven, Philippian jailer has been converted, and there's a lot of people who are unhappy at this point. Verse thirty-seven says, "But Paul." said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison, and do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. What's going on here? Paul's being brought towards this, and he's been beaten. He's a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. He's been beaten without without any sort of judgment, no uh, court of law. He hasn't been tried. Mm-hmm. And in Rome, that's a big deal. Yeah. You can't beat a Roman citizen without a trial. Mm-hmm. That's kind of one of their rights. And so Paul basically says, you beat us mm-hmm. as Roman citizens. So he's using the law, his own personal right, as a way to kind of get what he wants. Mm-hmm. So there's one aspect. And then you see this played out throughout the latter part of the book of Acts as he goes through. So that's there seems to be a space for a believer to use the law mm-hmm. for their good. I, he, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm misunderstanding that's, that. That's only one time. There's three or four times oh, yeah. Paul does that in the book of Acts. Now, we have to recognize that what was the mandate given to him by the <laughs> Lord Jesus? Go to Rome. Go to Rome. Go to Caesar. Yeah. So he's uh, walking in obedience. He's walking in obedience. There's a, there's a gospel purpose to this. Mm-hmm. He's not simply seeking his own good. Mm-hmm. This isn't actually about his welfare. This is about the glory right, of God right, right. and the purpose that God has given to him. But nonetheless, he uses that to his advantage. I would say we should not take anyone to court if it's just about our own personal gain. Correct. And particularly monetary gain. You know, so I mentioned Romans 12 earlier. In 19 to 21, I'm actually going to read these verses. I referenced them. I'm going to read them now in their fullness. It says this, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. 
For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So there is a, a sense in which the believer should always be seeking the good of our fellow man and never seeking vengeance. And there is nothing more vengeful. Maybe I shouldn't say nothing more vengeful, but there is a very vengeful tone to seeking purely monetary recompense for something. Right. You know, you did something. I want you to pay me. It's actually got nothing to do with money, but I want money. And, and so Greed. You, you see a lot of the lawsuits that are out there right now. That's what it's about. I'm going to sue you. Mm-hmm. You have to pay me for all the, the wrong you caused me. And so now people are having to pay thousands or millions of dollars for wrong. There's no actual punishment other than you got to fork out money. Well, that does, uh, to me, that just doesn't square. Mm-hmm. The Christian shouldn't be seeking monetary gain mm-hmm. in a court of law. Right. I uh, watched, I used to be a, I used to like to watch like those judge shows. Right. Yeah. Where I, like Judge Judy or whatever. There was a time in my life. Where I, I enjoyed watching those things. Yeah. Now those are all small claims courts. In other words, you have to spend less. You have to be suing for less than five thousand dollars in order to be in that court. Right. Right. Yeah. But that being said, what was I think sad to me? I don't know where any of those people stand with the Lord. Yeah. But what was sad is how many people actually came and were suing for two hundred and fifty bucks. Right. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you're just trying to get your airtime at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm a believer. I'm like, say you owe me money. Say one of your kids busted my TV. Right. Or your van. Or my... (laughs) Yeah. Let's play this out. So what would happen if one of your kids busted my van and I could... This is a real life situation, by the way. (laughs) I could be like, well, you owe me the money to fix my van because my bumper is cracked or whatever. Yeah. Or I can be like, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right, I take that and be like, yeah, sure, I could. It would be very, I can't imagine what that would do to the unity of this church mm-hmm. if I were to be like, I'm forcing you now to do this. And yeah. now there's tension and there's, it, yeah. it directly goes away from the unity that we are called to have. Yeah. yeah. Something as simple as a cracked bumper. Yeah. Right? So we have to be very careful. But, and I hear what you were saying and, and agree, if it's, for the forwarding of the gospel, I think there is a place yes. where we can't, like Paul did at so, the end of the so book. So that's of Acts, where yeah. Acts is very instructive. Yeah. If you go to that, so you went to Acts 16, there's Acts 22, Acts 25, you see him using the, the legal system for a very specific purpose. He what? is on his way to Rome, and the Lord has made it clear that this is his mandate, his purpose, for the purpose of the spread of the gospel. And so he uses the legal system for the greater good, the bigger picture of the spread of the gospel and the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And so when that is on the line, there is now seemingly a biblical precedent to use the legal system for that purpose. So we look now we go back to that John MacArthur and Mark Dever situation in those two different jurisdictions in the U.S., they were not seeking monetary gain at all. The m- money wasn't the issue. Right. There was no money on the line. What was on the line? If they were ruled in favor of them, by the way, both of them were, they, they got the ruling favorably for them. Mm-hmm. They were, the, the, the winnings, 
if you will, <laughs> was that they got the privilege of being able to gather together yeah. as the Lord has instructed us to do. Yeah. And so the government had prohibited what God commands. And so because of that, the church, churches and those respective jurisdictions said, well, they're prohibiting what God commands. And in that case, we are going to take them to court so that they will, hopefully, Lord willing, if they judge rules favorably for us, that we will be able to do what the Lord commands right. uh, in, in, a, in a legal manner. And, and in both, both cases, they won and were able to gather. Mm-hmm. And amazingly, in God's incredible kindness and providence, not only did that happen, the Lord had the judges rule in both situations that the, the county or the, or the government, mm-hmm. in, in uh, John MacArthur's case, the government of California, and Mark Dever's case, uh, D.C., yeah. they paid the legal fees for both <laughs> of the churches. So the, the churches ended up not having to pay anything, including legal yeah. fees, yeah. which is astonishing. That was just a cherry on top. Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't about money at the end of the day. Right. This was about the right to gather. Mm-hmm. And in that case, that was a, a right suit. And I would hope uh, that we would do the same thing. If the government came and said, you are not allowed to do something that God commands us to do, mm-hmm. that we would say, well, no, in that case, we need this matter settled. Right. So that we can do what God has called us to do. Or the flip side, and here's one I can see coming. If the government commanded us to do something that God prohibits... So now we're looking at it from the, the other the side other of the coin. Yep. So here's a scenario. Let's say, and this is not a stretch, the longer we have the government we have, the more that this could happen. Let's say the governing authorities of our land say that churches must, in fact, they, or maybe put it this way, they are not allowed to say no mm. to any any couples that ask to have a wedding done in their church, whether right. they be heterosexual or same-sex couples, mm-hmm. the churches are no longer allowed to say no. And if you're a clergy, you are required to say yes and to perform anyone's wedding if they come to you. You're no longer allowed to say no on the basis of sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. And now that's being put into law. Well, I would done. So now they are commanding what God prohibits. Right. And there's a lot of scripture that goes into that. So I would hope then that as churches, we would stand up and say, no, we're going we're gonna to go to court over this issue. We'll fight this. We'll fight this for the glory of God mm-hmm. is at stake. So there is one a situation where I would absolutely say that the legal mechanism should be utilized. Not just right. one example. Yep. Probably, there's probably many yep. we could look at. But that would be my heart on that matter. And I would echo those things. It's got to be a biblical stance that you take. Yeah. Here's another situation. Mm-hmm. This is now, so we're, we're talking about government. Mm-hmm. But what about person to person? So what if there's a situation, now I'll pick your, this is on the spot here. Sure, here we go. As a believer, you have a loved one. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's your spouse, what have you. And they're killed by a drunk driver. Hmm. The drunk driver survives. Do you take that drunk, the surviving drunk driver to court? So I'm going to answer this in an ideal because I have never walked through that. Yeah, right. Ideally, my heart would absolutely say no. Okay. So Why I remember- is that? <clears throat> I want opportunity to 
share the gospel with that man or woman who killed my kid or my wife or whatever. Yeah. If I'm taking them to court to, for whatever damages or that's going to damage any opportunity I have with them to share, share the gospel. Right. I, I think back to, there was a young girl, her dad was a police officer. This was, oh, you could find this. I can't remember all the details. Her dad was a police officer and her dad was killed in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. And at his funeral, she gets up there. She's a young girl, oh, eight, 19, 20, maybe okay. 18, maybe even younger than that. And she gets up there and she goes, everything inside of me wants to hate you. Right. I want to hate you, but because of the forgiveness I've had of my sin in Christ, I, I love you and I want you to have that same freedom. And I'm like, what a powerful testimony mm-hmm. that is. You can see, you can find it online. It's on YouTube. Yeah. I, 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 remember, wish I, could, I wish I could give you more details. Yeah, I remember watching it too. But yeah. I'm like, there you, like, there's a situation where this girl recognizes the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Who says, I, I, my flesh, yeah, I, I want to hate you. Right. But I can't. So, yeah, and I, yeah, that was powerful for sure. Yeah. That's an amazing story. What about, though, like, the justness of God. Like this person has done a wrong. Right. Do they need to face some kind of punishment? Now, in that situation, I don't know how it works actually. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe the maybe the authorities would just automatically put that person into a courtroom right. setting. Or like so I don't know how that all works. Yeah. But is there a like is there a sense where we go I'm going to forgive them, but they still need to uh, there still needs to be a, a justice for the wrong right. they've done. And, and, and that's, that's the, you know, that's yeah, the and, thing. And f- once again, not being in the situation, I think it's hard, but for me, one day everyone will face justice. Yeah. One, like, yeah. so even if someone murders my family and that person's never found, mm-hmm. that person one day will face justice, yeah. whether that is being condemned to hell because of their sin mm-hmm. or if they've repented and believed their punishment's been paid by Christ. Right. Right. So either way, they're not getting away with their sin. Yeah. So for me, one day justice is going to be perfectly doled out by a holy God one day. Mm -hmm. So those who are getting away with sin now or in our minds, they're going to face a holy God. Mm -hmm. And so do I need, I think if I'm someone who needs earthly justice i think that's a shallow view of justice right right if i can if i can say it that way yeah but yet i think if so I'm that so that in, would... if i'm walking in that situation maybe maybe the um because i can i can speak like this having been completely emotionally emotionally detached from anything right in that situation yeah. but yeah so if i yeah i don't need that recompense i don't need that because the lord will repay so that's why we don't yeah. get the death penalty <laughs> Thank you. You've just made my point. <laughs> Anyways, that's another episode that you can listen to later. <laughs> You've just fully made my point for me. But <laughs> Wait, I think we should turn the podcast off. <laughs> <laughs> but on, on these, because there's going to be situations, uh, well, I shouldn't say there's going to be, but there might, there might come situations where a believer is faced with something like this, with an unbeliever or something of this nature right. comes up. And you go, what should I do? Like, what, where's the line here? Romans 14, 5 does have to factor in a little bit. That's, that's the conscience. The, Romans 14, if you read through that, it's all about your conscience, letting your conscience, the conscience that God has given you, mm-hmm. 
direct you, your spirit-led conscience if you're a believer. Mm-hmm. It says in verse 5 there, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Mm-hmm. So if it's a, we come back to whatever the issue, whatever the issue might be, I don't even know what it would be that we're, we're talking about here, but if there's some kind of issue where you go, huh, is this a court-worthy issue? Right. Well, I need to ask, I need to go through my spirit biblical checklist here first and foremost what what squares with scripture here and if i'm still fuzzy on on the issue i need to come before the lord with earnest prayer and seek the glory of god above all else Mm -hmm. and then go okay i need to let my conscience inform me if my conscience is not at peace moving forward in the court of law here then i need to let that then dictate what i do or don't do but if in my conscience i go no this is something that needs to go before the courts, and I've I've talked to the elders, I've talked to my fellow believers about this, I've sought counsel on this, and I'm still left with this sense of yeah, I, this is something I need to pursue, and believers have maybe even validated that mm. to some degree. Then I need to let my conscience lead that. But I would say those those situations are so few, yeah. so few. Like yeah. as a rule, believers should not be engaging in litigation. Correct. But if there is those rare situations that are very much about the glory of God, then proceed. But even there, proceed with caution. Yeah. And gaining wisdom from others is, is I think, key in that, especially mm-hmm. in certain bigger situations. Maybe there's a lot of money involved. Maybe there's millions of dollars involved in this litigation. Yeah. Gaining a lot of wisdom from elders, yeah. from those who you trust, who are walking with the Lord, yeah. can help you think. Like, try, don't do that on your own. Yeah, absolutely. So, and yeah, it all has to be about the glory of God. If it's mm-hmm. about a couple of pennies in your pocket, yeah, take it on the chin, suck it up, yeah. you're fine. Leave it alone. Yeah. yeah. Good. Excellent. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Arena. We want to thank Jason Hofer for all of our music and editing of the podcast. If there are any topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to reach us. Email arenapodcast at hotmail.com or Twitter at ArenaPodcast1 and Instagram, thearena.podcast. Once again, we want to thank you for stepping into the arena.